0: The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. Out in front to Williams. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Takes a shot, she scores. See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com.
2: Food Heals Podcast, Episode 152.
3: If we can develop a practice, something that we show up for every day, it links us in and it sets us on the path that we're supposed to be on.
4: Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their thirty nine ninety nine a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.
2: All right, welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody, and I'm Susie Hardy. And today is the prequel to our Spirit Junkie series, where we're talking about healing yourself, mind, body, and spirit, and talking to the Spirit Junkies who have done it. What the heck is a Spirit Junkie? Good question. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't plan any of this in advance, Food Heals Nation. So the term spirit junkie was coined by Gabby Bernstein, who, you know, is one of my favorite authors, also now my mentor, when she wrote her book, Spirit Junkie, A Radical Road to Self-Love and Miracles. So let me read you the description so you kind of have an understanding of what that is if you haven't gotten the opportunity to read the book, which we highly suggest you do. How does a New York City publicist and party girl turn into a go-to guide for the next generation? In her book, Spirit Junkie, Gabrielle Bernstein shares the story of how she transformed her life, offering her spiritual journey as a guidebook for overcoming fear, changing perceptions, and creating a life that you're psyched to wake up for. And God, don't we all want that? We sure do. (laughs) We have it sometimes, but God, I want a little more of it. Gabrielle has traded self-doubt and addiction for a new kind of high. In 2005, she became a student of A Course in Miracles, another highly recommended resource. And since then, she has been guided to teach those spiritual principles to the next generation of seekers. And the next generation of seekers is what a Spirit Junkie really is. So now what's happened since then is that Gabby offers these trainings and they're called Spirit Junkie Masterclass. And I personally have now taken levels one and two, and I was actually in the first ever level three, which was offered this spring. And in Spirit Junkie Masterclass, what Gabby really teaches people is how to gain the confidence and business building tools you need to live your highest purpose, make an impact, and earn for the work that you want to do in the world. So to answer your question, Sue's like, what is a spirit junkie? It's really someone who has found their own brand of spirituality and are healing themselves and also want to use their tools to help others heal, to heal other people that have gone through something who have had a trauma similar to them. So it's just like your trauma, my trauma can help heal other people. And so that's kind of what a spirit junkie is in this series. So, we're going to interview a lot of people who have overcome something and are now helping heal others. And it may sound grand and out there, but it's not. It's really just about getting back to basics self love, meditation, believing in yourself. Even things like simply understanding concepts like busting the myths that you can't earn money for the work that you do. Getting rid of all the blocks holding you back from who you truly are, who you want to be in the world, and what legacy that you want to leave. Right? Yeah. Is that a
0: question for me? Is that? Do, are you putting me on the spot? Do I need to answer <laughs> what legacy...
2: I I am not asking you what <laughs> legacy you want to leave on the world. I'm just saying like does that does that re- does that make sense in terms of No, like- it's
0: amazing and I think it's exactly what you and I do actually. And that's that's why I was like kind of silent when you're like, <laughs> "Yeah?" <laughs> Truthfully, um, cuz I actually haven't read the book yet. I've I've been working on another of Gabby's books. The universe has your back. That's, that's right. another another and great one. That's right. And I think that's exactly correct. Obviously that's that's what she is doing. You know, the sacred wound, the things that hurt us the most are the ones that can help other people heal from that very same thing or prevent it or work through it.
2: Yes. So today's the prequel. And what that means is we're going to give you a taste of someone's incredible healing story. And we also
0: have a special announcement for Food Heals Nation, right?
2: Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Um. So stay tuned. If you decide, after listening to our Spirit Junkie series that you want to take Spirit Junkie Masterclass Digital. We're going to announce how to take it, when to take it, and the incredible bonus that we are offering for Food Heals Nation. All that is coming up in upcoming episodes of our Spirit Junkie series. To be the first to know, sign up on our mailing list at foodhealsnation.com Gabby. And today we have a guest that is the definition of a spirit junkie. Not only is she Gabby Bernstein's right-hand woman, but she's also a fellow podcaster.
3: The Food Heals Podcast
0: starts now.
2: All right, we're here with Allison Miko from the Don't Freak Out podcast. And unfortunately, Susie had to miss this interview. So I've asked our trusty podcast producer and editor, Roxy Flow, to do the introduction with me. Hey, Roxy. Hey. Hey, girl. Uh, <laughs> and if you need any type of podcast producing, music producing, anything you need, you need a studio space in Hollywood, check out Roxy Flo at F-L-O-N-W.com. Roxy, tell us about our guest today. Shameless self-promotion, all over the place. I love it. I talk more about me. What's (laughs) up, y'all? So, Allison Miko is the host and creator of "Don't Freak Out," an anxiety podcast. She says anxiety is like a superpower if you harness it properly, you open yourself up to some seriously magical stuff. However, if you believe it controls you, well, you, you freak, freak out! <laughs> <laughs> which is why she named her podcast, Don't Freak Out. I love that title. I Don't know. Freak Out. It's so good. It may, It's like you know exactly what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Here's how not to freak out. Mm-hmm. And I met Allison at Gabby Bernstein's Spirit Junkie Training Level 2, which was held at Kripalu. This beautiful yoga and Meditation Retreat Center in Massachusetts. And then we hung out in New York about a month ago at Gabby's Place at a mastermind. And she is seriously awesome. She's a wealth of information. She loves tech and teaching people like how to build their business. And she's so good at it. And of course, she's a wealth of information and knowledge on how not to freak out because that's her whole goal. She's super sweet. And I'm so excited to have her on the show. But first, here's a clip from don't freak out. What
3: the heck should I eat? I don't know what to believe. So I'm down on my love. Will I ever succeed? It's like I'm losing my mind, and I just want to shout. Gonna take a deep breath and
4: don't freak out.
3: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Don't Freak Out Podcast. I am your host, Allison Mikko, and if you can't tell, I'm kind of freaking out. I'm so excited about this show. This has been my, uh, I was going to say love child, but that sounds really inappropriate for this show. My baby. This show is my baby, and um, I've put just so much love and care into making it the best I possibly can for you because it's... Um, for me a huge opportunity to showcase all of the tools and the books and the teachers and the resources and everything that has come to help me to see anxiety as my greatest gift so that was a clip from her
2: first ever episode I love that it's pretty awesome it's so good and don't worry, I will ask Allison how anxiety was her greatest gift, since we just teased that a little bit. But let me introduce her first. She's on a mission to give you all the tools and resources you need to hack your anxiety so that you can not only overcome it, but use it to thrive. Welcome, Allison.
3: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
2: All right. So give our listeners a little taste of who you are and what you do.
3: Sure. So I host a podcast called the Don't Freak Out Podcast. And basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to teach people how to stop seeing anxiety as an enemy and how to really see it as a teacher and a guide and how to use the clues that anxiety offers you to deepen their relationships and create a better life for themselves. I try to expose people to as many tools and teachers as possible so they can find healing from it.
2: I love that mission so much. And in the intro, we played a clip and it was from your first ever podcast episode. And in the clip, you say anxiety was your greatest gift. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means?
3: Yeah, totally. So it's funny because if you met me 10 years ago when I was like in it, I would have never in a million years said anxiety was a gift. I was like this is a curse. I hate it. It's ruining my life. The breakthrough that I had, which kind of set the foundation for everything that I'm doing and for enabling me to create the podcast and talk about it was to see it as a gift. And in doing that, I kind of removed the association of suffering away from anxiety and I got to look at it in a different way because you know, anxiety is it's a lot of things. It's fear of the future, it's you know, obsessions, compulsions and panic and all of these other things, but it's also a hypersensitivity to our surroundings and to our bodies and to scenarios and thought patterns. And if we can learn to see the cues that it gives us as awareness and as insight into something that needs attention, we become less afraid of it. Right. And we start to see these things as as tools that we can use to bring ourselves back into balance. And, The good thing about anxiety with people who have it is it flares up often. Like I think a lot of people, if you talk to them about it, they'll say, I feel like I wake up with it. I go to sleep with it. It's always there. And, you know, learning to be friended allows you to say, okay, this is something that's with me all the time, teaching me, you know, every opportunity available, it's going to tell me something that needs my attention. And it takes the pressure off. At least that's what it's done for me. So.
2: That's so true. And I just love what you said about anxiety. And Susie always says that she's not here today. So I'll speak for her. But Susie says, anxiety is fear of the future. And depression is a fear of the past, and neither of which are in our control.
3: It's true. It's so completely true. And I love looking at it that, that way. Because like, when you're thinking about anxiety, like it's fear, like it's, staying up at night and thinking about all of the things that could go wrong. It's all of the what ifs. it's all of this, like heightened panic, stress response. And it's just all this future tripping of, Oh my God, what if this thing happens? And the funny part is, is like more often than not that thing that we're so afraid of never actually happens, but we attach to like the suffering that, that like apprehension brings.
2: And it's so interesting. And I do it too. And I know better. Yeah. But like, I know from your podcast, like, don't freak out. But why do we do this when our time and our energy can be spent doing something else so much more beneficial to our bodies, to ourselves, to our mind, body and spirit, whether it was something self care related or something
3: to benefit our health? That's such a good question. I think, you know, we identify with it so much like we I know from my own experience, like I was diagnosed with everything you can think of. And, you know, when that happens, you know, you start to say like, well, I have anxiety or I have depression or I have this thing, right. That I'm attaching to that. I'm going to put my faith in this, you know, thing, making my life go the direction I don't want it to go. And I think a lot of us do that. We attach to the suffering, we attach to the label and we almost see it as this, kind of God or this force outside of ourselves that has our worst interests at heart. And I think one of the things that I did that allowed me to step outside of that was to create this like new faith system, this thing that has my best interest in mind, this force that actually wants me to do well and wants to help me and has my back and is guiding me in the direction I need to be going. So I think, you know, the more that we attach to the suffering, the less likely We are to have faith that, you know, the self-care will help or that the meditation will help. You know, we're going to see those things as chores rather than things that are actually nurturing us and, and helping us to grow.
2: Absolutely. And Allison, how do we turn that into actually an entity that has our back?
3: Well, I think um, that's a great question. I think it's, it's different for everybody. Like, you know, some people want religion, some people want spirituality, some people want science. And that's kind of the great thing is we get to decide what that means to me. And it doesn't have to be, you know, this one size fits all spiritual practice it can be anything that has you feeling supported and grounded in the moment. And the reason why that practice, that faith-based practice, however it looks for you is so important is because it brings you into the present. And, you know, like we were saying earlier, anxiety is like a timely malady. It's You're always in the future. You're never in the present. And, you know, the only feeling you know is one of like suffering and kind of always feeling on edge. And One of the first times I remember feeling relief from anxiety was just like kind of by chance. And I was with a group of girlfriends and I was talking about anxiety. And like for the first time opening up about it, I felt relief and I felt presence. And I talk about this all the time that that felt like a moment of divine intervention, this feeling of being supported and connected and in the moment. And I knew that if I could recreate that relief of a moment again, if I could string those moments moment to moment together, I would find relief from this thing that had been, you know, with me all the time. If we can develop a practice, something that we show up for every day, it links us in and it sets us on the path that we're supposed to be on.
2: I love what you said, because if we don't talk about it, it eats away at us. And it causes more stress and anxiety. So we have to have these outlets and avenues for letting this out, whether it's hanging out with your girlfriends and just saying, you know what, this is what's happening right now. Or if it in therapy or some other way of releasing it, because otherwise it just burns you up inside and it builds and builds and builds and gets worse. So the first step to healing, in my opinion, is to talk about it, is to acknowledge it.
3: Totally, 100%. You know, like the more you keep it hidden, The more you start to feel like there's like a skeleton in your closet or something that you should be ashamed of or something that you have to hide. And once you talk about it, you free it like you because the response is never that bad. Like I've never told anybody I've had anxiety and have them been like, you're crazy. you freak, (laughs) Yeah, like like
2: something's wrong with you.
3: Yeah, that's literally never, ever happened. So the response I get, to be honest, is like me too. Like everyone always says me too. So I think in talking about it too, like not only are we sharing our experience and, and allowing other people to do that as well because we give them the freedom to do that, um, but we start to see that we're not alone in this struggle, which I, I think is huge, especially when talking about stress or anxiety or depression or anything along, you know, that spectrum.
2: Yeah. And like, say someone is not ready to talk right now to their friends or their parents or their family, and they're not really into therapy, let's say. Find a tribe who you can talk to. Like, for example, you and I are spirit junkies. We have a place where we can go and get all the feedback we need and not be judged. There's Facebook groups. There's so many ways to connect with the tribe that gets you.
3: I know. We're so lucky. (laughs) It's it's funny because it's like the, the spirit junkie community, especially, was something that like I found by chance. And I couldn't believe that a community like that existed. And, you know, it's global. Like, it's not even like you need to live in a certain area. Like, I think we have, like, we have Australians, we have Irish people, we have, you know, all across the United States. And and it's just all of these people that are in it together. And it's true sisterhood. I mean, you don't have to be a woman to be in it. But, you know, it feels like that family that always is there for one another and they're hearing each other. And it's crucial because we live in a very divided society. I think everyone's feeling that, especially now. And we need that sense of community. Like we need that tribe. And it's one of the biggest things that you can do to to set yourself up for healing and for feeling the best you can feel is to know that it's okay to be seen by people and to let them you know, support you and hold you and to do the same for them.
2: Yeah, and it sounds crazy because like, now you could be talking to someone who lives worlds away, like you said, because there are these international groups forming, like Spirit Junkie. And you can have the most intimate relationship with someone. And I'm not talking about a romantic relationship, but you can form these intimate bonds and have an understanding with someone because maybe you met in person once and then you continue that relationship online and now you have a safe space to talk to them. I think it's really powerful for people to be able to come out of their shell and find their tribe.
3: It's amazing. Like I remember some of the like hardest times in my life. Like It wasn't like I was going to say my, you know, it wasn't my best friends that showed up. It was like spirit junkies, not that my best friends weren't there. (laughs) But it was like most recently, like a year and a half ago, I had broken up with my boyfriend and it was such a just difficult, devastating time. And it was like the soul sisters, like that spirit junkie community that were like, you know, round robin calling me and like giving me a place to stay and like talking through it with me from a spiritual perspective, from like a what am I here to learn from this perspective. And that's one of the things that was so healing for me at that time. And like it was just medicine.
2: Oh, I completely agree. And for anyone listening who may not know exactly what we're talking about, um, what is a spirit junkie? Like, (laughs) What does it mean to be a spirit junkie?
3: I guess I should probably talk about what a spirit junkie is. So um, it's interesting. So Spirit Junkie comes from, it's the title of Gabrielle Bernstein's book, one of her books, um, which she started a movement like of just all of these different people from across the world. There's so much diversity within the community. Like we have like Spirit Junkie lawyers and Spirit Junkie coaches and Spirit Junkie podcasters and like just everyone just on this mission to elevate each other and to, I think ultimately just, Infuse this message of love into everything that we do, you know, however that shows up, like whether it's in our relationships, in our career, just making the most out of everything that we're presented with. And it's just so inspiring. Like I've just seen so much incredible magic happen as a result of being in this world. And um, very fortunate.
2: Yeah, and you're on the front lines because, like, yeah. how many of the Spirit Junkie Masterclasses have you done? So, there's Spirit Junkie Masterclass levels one and two, and then there was a Mastermind level three. And I got to meet you. Well, I got to meet you at level two and then spend a lot more time with you at level three, the Mastermind. So, what are the dirty details? Like, what <laughs> really happens behind the scenes?
3: So funny because I get to see both sides. I, I'm Gabby's assistant, so I've worked with her for. I guess like seven years now, I've known her and like been involved in some way. I've been to all of the master classes and I get to be on like the facilitating it side and also getting to watch the lectures and like be in the rooms and hear what people are saying. And I think that the most powerful part is not only like my own transformation, which is exciting for me, it's like a really great job perk, (laughs) but being able to see what happens for the people that enter those rooms and I love it because, like, my favorite is, like, when someone tells me, they're like, I don't know why I signed up for this. Like, I just felt like I was supposed to do it. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I, I can't even really afford this, but I feel like I have to be here. And then, like, six weeks later, they have, like, this new thing that they're doing, and it was the greatest thing they've ever done. And they, it's just it's amazing because I think people go in those rooms with a call and they, for the first time, allow that intuitive soul voice that's always there, always nagging. They finally let it come out and they feel such truth in that message and they have this newfound like confidence and the kind of foundational tool to actually see these things happen now. Plus the community, you know, and and they finally put all of these things that they've thought for so long into action. And the wheels turn very, very fast, which is just so cool to see.
2: It really is. And there are some incredible stories that have come out of like Spirit Junkie Masterclass because you see them in the Facebook group where people are like, six months ago, I was tired and sick. And now I feel better. I'm on fire. Like I healed something or like three months ago, I was miserable at my career and I quit my job and I became an entrepreneur or I started coaching or I started a video series or whatever. People are coming out of their shells and becoming who they're truly meant to be. It's incredible.
3: It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And it's wild because it's like, you know, you'll see some people go in because they want to change like their career. But like, they end up getting like some type of personal transformation. And then their personal life is transformed. And then because of that, they find this new direction with their career. So it's like all of the areas of people's lives are going through this like spiritual washing machine. It's so exciting. And like, we're gearing up to do the live one again this weekend. And I'm starting to get like, emails from people and, and seeing what they're writing in the groups and I'm like oh my god you guys don't even know what you're in for
2: <laughs> I know I'm so excited for you and everyone going I'm not going to level one this year but I'm definitely repeating level two and then of course I watch because I have the spirit junkie digital master class and so I watch that like once a month or something like all
3: the time it's so good it's like it's soul food like Because I'm actually so, you know, I work for Gabby. So like I'm helping with like setting up the digital course and like adding videos and making sure the website looks good. And I, like, sneak the videos all the time and watch it. (laughs)
2: Yeah, girl. Like, you're getting the firsthand most indulgent learning experience because you get to learn while you're working. I know. It's so good. It's fabulous. I'm jealous. Um, So you mentioned your personal transformation. And so can you take us back a little bit and tell us, like, what did you suffer from and how did it affect your life? And then how did you really overcome it?
3: Yeah. So – I always call myself, like, pre-transformation, like Hurricane Allison, because I was just, like, a mess. And, you know, it's it's so funny because, like, I was, like, a pharmacist's, like, wet dream. Like, I, every doctor wanted to put me on every medication. I had OCD, panic disorder, general anxiety disorder, depression, and I was just, like, in it you know I joke about it now but like it was a dark time it was it was so difficult and i was really attached to that suffering and i was in it for years like i was i didn't date i didn't take any risks i didn't do anything that i wanted to do because panic held me back so much and a lot of things led to this ultimate like breakthrough and this transformation but i think that what really did it was i was trying to think of like okay well what is this suffering like? Like, what is this actually doing for me? And I realized that it was separating me from everything that I ever wanted to do. So the things that I was so scared of weren't happening because I didn't give myself the opportunity to like have a panic attack on a first date or anything like that. I didn't even go on the date. Like I didn't even do anything. And I think that was so devastating and such a, you know, reality check that, um, I got to this point where I was like, okay, something has to change. Like I can't keep going this path. I'm done suffering. Um, so it's like heal or like GTFO. And I chose heal. And I think the breakthrough really was just like, well, what if this whole experience, like what if the multiple trips to the hospital, cause I'm having a panic attack and I think I'm dying. Like what if all of those aren't for nothing? Like what if all of this suffering of the past couple of years had a deeper meaning to it? And what if this is something I'm being presented with that I'm supposed to work through because it's ultimately going to make me a better person? And I started to literally do anything I can to heal it. Like any like you gave me a book, I will read the book. like you tell me what to eat, I will eat it. And I started to little by little find relief. And the more that, I felt relief from this, the more it kind of fueled that fire. And I got to this new space where I truly was not suffering from anxiety anymore. And I started to literally see it as a strength, which is just to go from seeing anxiety as your biggest curse to your greatest teacher is like, how, you know, like it was just so powerful. Um, so I mean, that's ultimately like once I got to that point, I was like, I need to teach people this, like I need to show people that this is possible. So it was just this like being in it and really seeing that I'm in it and then knowing that I need to switch it out. And I I just, through that experience, I learned so much about anxiety and, and saw how it was really there to change me for the better. Because I think like, you know, we were talking earlier, like so many people have anxiety, like you can identify with it. So many people can identify with it. You know, it's not something that's broken within us. I think that's the most important thing to know is like, we have stress because our brains were built to have stress. Like we are built with a stress response for a reason. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do to have a really on edge stress response. And there's a lot of things that we could do to have a healthy stress response. And I was doing everything I could to have an onage <laughs> on edge. Which is why I suffered. So, you know, just learning the tools that I needed to learn to transform that was huge. And actually doing them, you know. <laughs> the second.
2: And what are some of the top like tools and tips that you recommend for people to stop freaking out? Yeah. Like the name well, of your podcast. Don't freak don't out. Don't
3: freak
2: out. <laughs> I love I'm so it. I'm proud of that name. Oh, I love it. It's so cute. It's such a good I name. love it.
3: Yeah, I mean, so the coolest thing about it is you get to figure out what works for you. So there's some blanket things that I always talk about, like Food Heals, name of your podcast, is so true with anxiety. Like food is huge on how you feel. And back in college, I was like slamming Diet Coke and Flaming Hot Cheetos, wondering why I was depressed. You know, like I didn't see the link. And so the big four that I always tell people if they're like, I have anxiety, okay, okay, stop eating sugar, caffeine, alcohol, and tobacco. Like if you're having those four things, you're creating a very on-edge stress response. Okay, wait, say them again. Sugar, caffeine, alcohol, and tobacco. I do them all except tobacco. Oh no, I'm freaking out. <laughs> ah, freak out. <laughs> it's fine. Like, so here's the thing, like everything in moderation, of course. Yeah. So don't freak out about it. Okay. But, you know, it's for people like me, like I can't I can't go in that direction because one, I'm like an addictive person. But two, like I know that they're so quickly linked to my moods that going in that direction is going to set me up for panic. And it's funny because I went on vacation with my boyfriend a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I'm going to have fun (laughs) and I had sugar. And I'm not even like I was eating everything like I don't have gluten or anything like that either. Um, which is another mood issue trigger. And so it's eating everything that I don't normally eat. And then out of nowhere, like, the panic attack starts coming on. Wow, that quickly. It was, it was so quickly. Um, luckily, I had the awareness to know, okay, this is a false stress response. And, you know, I was able to bring myself out of it quicker. Um, but it's, it's really interesting to see the more you pay attention to what you're eating, how quickly it can affect your mood. So for anyone that's trying to experiment with diet, especially in the context of mood, like a food journal is huge. Like even if it's like MyFitnessPal and you're logging your things in there and then just like having a diary of how you're feeling, you want to be able to see how you're feeling as related to how you're eating. And that's one of the areas like when I talk about seeing anxiety as your teacher if I wasn't aware of the things that I'm eating, that panic attack I had like four weeks ago on my birthday trip, like that would have just been a panic attack because I have anxiety and my brain is broken and that was my month. But with the awareness now, I'm like, okay, well, what did I eat over the past couple of days? Why am I feeling this way? Oh, it's because I, you know, slammed a gallon of gelato and ate all the tacos in Mexico. So <laughs> I can eat the relation. And um, we all start to do that. Like we will all start to see that. And a really great resource uh, for anyone listening, Dr. Kelly Brogan's book, A Mind of Her Own, goes into a lot of these different topics. And also the Anti-Anxiety Food Solution by Trudy Scott. Those are two phenomenal books for learning more about like specific food triggers. But yeah, I mean the big ones are sugar, caffeine, alcohol and gluten and tobacco I threw in the narrative because you never know who's the smoking these days. I used to like recently, so <laughs> a couple of years ago.
2: It's funny because I've definitely discovered things about myself through food journaling and even little correlations I didn't even realize, like getting a headache. And I just thought, I'm stressed, so I'm getting a headache. No, it had a direct correlation to gluten. I mean, in my findings, it's not like they were scientific, but in my journal, that's what I was finding. The
3: journal is the science. It's so interesting especially with gluten because there's so many people that are so quick to say like oh if you're not celiac like you don't have gluten intolerance but there is like non-celiac gluten intolerance and there's a lot of people that are highly highly sensitive to gluten and you wouldn't know it because the symptoms are so like not that they're not noticeable but you wouldn't directly relate it to it you know until you take it out and reintroduce it and see how it affects you yeah
2: you know, that's so people- true
3: Yeah, they think it's just like they're normal, like, oh, I have headaches every day, but they don't realize that it's related to something they're eating.
2: Yes, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And I went to a functional medicine doctor, and, you know, they do the blood test, the hair test, the stool test, everything. And my results were I was actually lucky that I didn't have any food allergies, but I had a ton of food sensitivities. So what that means is I may not have celiac, but I'm still sensitive to gluten. So her recommendation is anything you're sensitive to, you can only have every three to four days because if you have it every day, the sensitivity is going to kick in. So one of my sensitivities was also coffee. So that is something that I have to have in moderation only every three to four days in order for me not to feel the symptoms or the effect of that sensitive food because my body has time to process it out, but if I'm having it every day and my body is then becoming overloaded and my body says, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to store it in some weird places and you're going to feel the toxic effects of that food.
3: Yeah. And it's such a gift. What type of doctor did you, you went to? a doctor, like a naturopathic doctor?
2: She's functional medicine. So what they do is they run all of these tests and then they tell you, here's everything you, your specific body, you are allergic to. Here's what you are deficient in. Here's how to boost your individual immune system, let's say, with this type of supplementation. It's it's absolutely fascinating.
3: Oh my God. I love it. See, like that's what doctors should be doing. Like, I can't tell you how many people I went to and like, I was like, I'm depressed. And they're like, take this medicine, like not. What are you eating or anything like that? I think everyone, oh my God, everyone should know their sensitivities and things like that. Like it's just so powerful.
2: Right. And this, I did all this in 2016, like learned about this and went to the functional medicine doctor. I didn't know any of this back in the day, like in 2004, when I was suffering from depression and chronic fatigue. Well, my mom had just died. And I'm not even kidding. I didn't even make the correlation that my chronic fatigue could be you know, linked to depression. No one was talking about that. I didn't know. And I went to the doctor and the doctor's like, well, there's no cure, but we have a pill that might make you feel nothing. And I was like, okay, doctor, you know, whatever you say, you're doctor God. I don't know. So he's like, let's put you on this effects pill. And all the effects mm. pill did was make me crazy and not care. Kind of like a sociopath who has no yeah. empathy.
3: It's scary. And it's like, you know, I'm not against medications or anything like that. But you hear these stories over and over again of like the Band-Aid prescriptions like, oh, you have this, take this. Right. And then there's all the other side effects of that. And then we're medicating those, whether with actual medication or, you know, our own happy blend. And it's this like rabbit hole and all it does bring us further and further away from the root cause of why we're suffering and it's like you needed to deal with what happened with your mother like that's
2: yeah it's as simple as that no one ever said hey there's seven stages of grief hey do you want to talk to a counselor or a therapist about this it was just nothing like hey here's a pill Ugh,
3: I'm so sorry it's just it's so
2: devastating
3: apparently I, I still
2: feel really passionately about it as you can hear apparently <laughs> I know I still need to do some work on it
3: It's all good. Just like keep tapping it away. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, tapping. I love tapping. Can you talk about tapping?
3: Yeah, I love tapping. So tapping is emotional freedom technique. And it's basically um, figuring out what is our most pressing issue? What is the thing that is really bothering us or coming up for us? And we tap on specific energy meridians in the body. So it's kind of like acupuncture, kind of like pressure points. And you tap on these different meridians while saying what your most pressing issue is, really going deep into it. So, for example, if I was tapping on, you know, having a panic attack, like I might use the mantra, like I'm just completely freaking out. I think that I am going to pass out. I think that I am going to make an ass out of myself. I think that, you know, all of the worst fears that I'm having, like going into it, tapping on it, being with it. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And then once I've really gotten that all out after a couple of rounds, bringing myself back out, you know, I'm not going to pass out like I haven't passed out before and I'm already feeling better. So maybe I'll make it through this time. Like, oh, maybe I'm feeling a little bit better and, and maybe I'm feeling the color come back into my face you know, maybe I'm not freaking out. And it's like kind of this journey of going into it and coming back out. And in doing that, we just bring our stress levels. Well, for me, my stress levels for other people, you know, whatever it is that you're tapping on, we bring that emotional reaction to it down so drastically. I think that's the reason why I love it so much is like, it works fast and i think especially for people with anxiety we we want something that's going to fix us fast and tapping does that tapping really it brings very very quick relief
2: and I feel like my first impression of tapping before I, you know, saw Nick Ortner doing it and read his book before I was in a class with Gabby Bernstein doing it, I definitely thought it was like a little woohoo. And I was like, why are people hitting themselves over the head?
3: I know it is. It's funny because it is kind of far out. But it's, you know, like I graduated college and like went into a yoga teacher training. So like I had been like kind of exposed to energy medicine and things like that for a while. So it wasn't that crazy to me. So if somebody's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I just always say, like, compare it to acupuncture. It's it's kind of getting the same effect where you're working with energy meridians. I mean, try it. Like, go on YouTube, type in EFT for whatever it is, like EFT for panic, and try it. More often than not, people feel relief right away. And then they're like, oh, I don't care if I look crazy. And then they're, like, tapping in the bathroom at work, so...
2: Yeah, that's the funny thing is now like I've seen it. I've seen someone doing it at the train station and I'm like, I know what you're doing. But um, (laughs) Susie, my co-host is a huge proponent of this and a big tapper. And she has led me through some sessions. We've had times where I've come to the podcast studio stressed out about something else and she's led me through a tapping session. And by the time we were supposed to go to air, it's like my stress had left the building and I definitely needed it. And, you know, also in Spirit Junkie Masterclass Level 2, we did a lot of tapping and I got rid of some stuff I didn't even remember that I was holding on to
3: yeah I know it's like peeling the onion back like it's just like layer after layer of just like what I'm still holding on to that I think the interesting thing about I always say like in those rooms like in the fear chunky classes whether it's like level one or level two like we all have something revealed to us that we like weren't expecting and it's so good to have something like tapping where we're like, okay, well, I can work with this right now. Like I don't have to freak out or like ruminate in it, but like I can address this now and find relief, which is awesome. Like how often do you get that, you know?
2: Right. Well, I love that. And so thank you so much for informing us about tapping. And I want to make sure we get back to your tips, your tools.
3: Yes. Yeah, so um, I think that using, going back to like the nutritional side of things really paying attention to what you're eating and to pay attention to how your mood changes throughout the week. And like I always say, like break up with the bad habits, which is the ones that we talked about, like the sugar, the caffeine, the alcohol, and to call in more of what actually makes you feel better. So much of our mood is tied into our nutrition. And, you know, it's so easy especially if you are feeling attached to anxiety or depression to at least I'll speak for myself I'm not going to speak for everybody but like it's, it was easier for me to do takeout or to eat comfort food even if I thought the comfort food or the takeout was healthy you know really not putting intention behind the nutrients that I need right to build brain chemistry because there's a lot of people that are very quick to say that these mood issues are a chemical imbalance that require medication, but you know, brain chemistry can also be built through nutrition and it's important to never forget that. And I remind people a lot, you know, look back to how you felt before you felt bad. Cause a lot of times with people, there is a specific trigger that, that set them into anxiety or depression. Right. But if they can remember a time back when they did feel right, like that also helps them have the hope that they can return to that place. So nutrition, like it's huge. So those books I had mentioned earlier are super powerful, just for learning, you know, the specifics on what you can eat to feel better and what to avoid to, to feel better.
2: Absolutely. And so what made you start your podcast? Don't freak out.
3: Um, I, I needed to really is, I wanted to create what I needed when I was really struggling because I thought that I was hopeless. Like I sincerely mean that like for anybody listening that's struggling, like I was there like I was suffering daily. Like I woke up with a holy shit, I can't believe I have to do this again attitude every single day. And I went to sleep with like, you know, crazy restless thoughts and like I was suffering 24/7. Oh, how awful. It was awful. It was absolutely awful and it was and it was also no one knew. Like mm-hmm. no one. I, it was your
2: own secret.
3: It was a secret. Like if you asked any of my friends how I was, I was a very loud party animal. Always had the wildest story, like was always doing something. So, you know, no one would have known and I suffered in silence because I was ashamed of it. And when I finally found relief, I knew that there weren't a lot of people talking about anxiety. Like I knew I was like, I'm going to tell my story, however it comes out, however people are going to perceive that. Like I don't care because I knew that my perspective on anxiety was going to help people and the way that I experienced it was going to help people. And it was kind of just like, honestly, a no brainer. Like I just needed to do it. I knew I needed to share the tools and the teachers and the books that worked for me and give those to other people because like. I felt like I was just shaving time off people's days. Like I spent so much time trying to find these books and read them. And I'm like, let me just get it out there for free and just get it to anybody who needs it so that they can start feeling better.
2: Yep, that's exactly why we do this, too. So I'm with you. Yeah. So what's a takeaway that you learned from one of your guests that maybe you didn't know?
3: Um, I think my favorite. So I had on uh, Holly Whitaker of hip sobriety. I don't know if you've ever read her blog or her work at all. She is, I'm, I'm obsessed with her. I, one of my favorite guests ever. And I just absolutely love her. And she was talking about, I mean, she talks about sobriety and why she doesn't drink. And, um, one of the things that she said that always stuck with me, she was like, I had gotten okay with my life being not that bad. And I think so many people become so accustomed and so okay with not that bad in so many areas of life and we should want more than not
2: it's like people are settling
3: settling yeah for
2: mediocrity
3: exactly and it's like you know that will that will stick with me to the day i die because I'll find some times where I'm like, Oh, it's not that bad. And I'm like, wait, no, it's a
2: clue (laughs) on how much better it can be.
3: It's a clue on how much better it can be. And I think sometimes not that bad can be like a safety blanket. It can keep us from like stepping out of our comfort zone in order to get the greatness. But anytime you say not that bad, you know, you're settling, you know, there, there have been so many times like when I think about the decisions I made that made my life better, it was always when I got to the point where I was like, I can't deal with this anymore. Like I can't deal with not that bad anymore.
2: It's almost like not that bad could be a rock bottom, but you're lying to yourself. And maybe it's out of guilt, like, okay, people are worse off than me. But if it's happening to you, it is that bad. And it's all a scale, right? So you have to look at yourself and go, well, where could I be?
3: Exactly. Yeah. Like I talk about it like I, I'm sober. Like I talk about it on the show that I don't drink and you know, it wasn't like I was like passed out in a trash can in Vegas. Like I never like, (laughs) never got that far. (laughs) I didn't go that far. Like I wasn't going to lose my home. I wasn't going to lose my job, but it was just not that bad. And like, I, I knew I could either settle for that and, and still just be okay with you know, the Saturday and Sunday hangovers and like not really doing much with my weekend and having the anxiety from it, or I could completely eliminate it, try sobriety. And as it turns out, every year of my life has gotten better as a result. So it's like, it doesn't have to be a rock bottom, but you know, not that bad can be a rock bottom.
2: And so how do you think our stories and our experiences, and I feel like this is why you do your podcast, this is why we do our podcast, and why people, you know, write books, and how do our stories help people heal, and why is it imperative that we share them?
3: Um, I mean, I say this all the time, like, I think our stories are medicine. They're what heal. If we think about what our story is, and we share that, and we're kind of unveiled in the way that we share it, we're really speaking authentically people start to realize that they're not going through anything alone. And I think that, like you said, like, that's why we do this show, because if I can talk about the embarrassing days of my like drinking life and what, you know, a really terrible panic attack was like for me. And like people understand that because they've been through it and they get it. And I think that they feel the power in my experience and they recognize it as their own. Cause it's like, I think, it's a course in miracles that talks about like all miracles are essentially like the same, like it's just like the details that are different. And I, I see that with suffering, like all suffering is the same. It's just the details are different. So when we share a story, people resonate with it and they see the way out. Like they see the solution. You know, when I tell my story, my solution isn't your solution, but my solution gives you the insight on what you need to change. Right. Cause we already know the answer. Like we already know what we need to do just need to get to the point where we can allow that voice to speak and trust that guidance. Mm, So true.
2: And so we talk a lot about this topic in Spirit Junkie Masterclass, and I feel a lot of people are scared. They don't feel good enough to share their story and to charge money for the help that they can offer others through their stories, through writing books, through coaching, through podcasting, what have you. And so can you talk a little bit about why it's imperative that we share our stories and we charge for what we're worth? Can you talk about that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to because I think that this is a huge um, a huge block for a lot of people. They're like, you know, I would love to do this. I would love to be of service, but... Like, right, there's always a but. Is, or, yeah, exactly. Or like, who am I to charge money for this? Um, there's so many... First of all, there's so many different ways to make money doing something that is a mission-driven business. Like you can start 501c3s, you can do affiliate marketing, you can do coaching programs you can write like there's so many different avenues first of all that like the idea that you can't charge for it is kind of bogus (laughs) I think really what it is is this like fear of being in a position of teacher right like it's this fear of like who am I to teach like who... who am I to do this exactly and like when you can address that you free yourself to do the work and it does go back to you know the sharing your story We all have something to teach. And whether we realize it or not, we're already teaching. Like before I had the podcast, I was already teaching. Before it's like, same for you. Like, so life is our message in so many ways. So if we're not stepping up and we're not doing this work, then essentially our message is like, yeah, you can have a message, but you can't really teach it because you're not going to make money. Right. And like, we don't want that to be our legacy. So I think, you know, knowing why you're doing something is key. Like I knew I didn't want people to suffer from anxiety anymore. So I had to do something. And I think if you're focused on like why you're doing this work and what your message is, it becomes a lot easier to step up and to take on that role of of changing, right? Because there, the world is wounded. Like we can all see that. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of suffering, And we need to step up and make a change.
2: It's imperative. It is necessary that we stand up.
3: Like it's so important. And I think there's also this narrative of like so many people are doing this. Like how am I going to fit in? Like we all have our own way that we fit into this puzzle. I think that that's key to realize too is like you can look at what your strengths are. You can look at what you love doing. You can look at what your message is and you can find something that aligns with all of those points. Like, you know, you know me, like I'm obsessed with technology and like I'm a huge nerd. And and, you're awesome at it. (laughs) And I love it. Yeah. Like And I'm good at it. So it's like, so I get to take those things and I get to apply them to this amazing, you know, mission. And I get to kind of like be like the back end of something that's changing people's lives. And I think we all have that. So just being tuned in and listening to what that voice is telling you about what you want to be doing is huge.
2: It's so true and there's something that Gabby always says in Spirit Junkie masterclass which is that there are more people that need teachers than there are teaching, right? Mm-hmm. So it's our job to rise up and to share our stories and be leaders in the space that we feel called to.
3: It's true. It's so true. It's funny because like I, you know, I've been working in this world for like eight years now, seven or eight years now, and so I I feel very like saturated in it. Like everyone I know is like a healer or like, or like <laughs> I you know. hear you, and um so I'm like oh every you know there's so many people doing this, it's so amazing, and then I'll like run into someone from my past, like from like like a high school friend or something like that. Or someone like I met years and years and years ago before I was into all of this. And I'll, I'll talk about it naturally because that's just like what I talk about. I'm like full on woo these days. And um, they're like, oh my God, I'm so happy you're talking about this. Like I think about these things but I have no one to talk to. Like what should I read? What should I do? Like I feel these things. And, um, you know, the more I step outside of the circle and, and talk to people that aren't in this world, the more I realize how strong the craving and the need for this work is.
2: It's so true. And then like, I'm the same as you. I live in California and there's a juice bar on every corner, a yoga studio and a meditation like everywhere. Everyone's Mm -hmm. walking around and they're Lululemons, all conscious looking, you know, anyway, and then I do the Food Heals podcast. And I live in LA and I have this vegan tribe. And of course, I've got my spirit junkie tribe. And so I feel like I'm normal talking about all the crazy things I talk about. And then I go home to North Carolina. And just like you, I'm naturally talking about, let's say the healing power of nutrition, or how to love yourself more, how to forgive yourself and forgive the past and how to meditate and things that might sound a little woohoo to my friends. (laughs) And some people are very, very receptive. And it's something we never talked about before and we can bond over that and then others are like hey I don't know what you're talking about can you eat a a turkey burger you know and so I do feel like a lot of people are waking up and a lot of people do vibe on the same frequency that I am now vibing on and some people don't and that's okay but spiritually mentally physically people want to make changes and sometimes they just don't know how
3: exactly and and we need to step up because like if you if you know how like if you know the way out if you know the answer like you have to share it you have to and i think like you know it goes back to like knowing why you're doing something like you could figure out the details of the how like maybe it's blogging maybe it's podcasting maybe it's coaching maybe it's you know writing or whatever it is Um, you can figure out the actual like technical aspect of how you do it, but knowing why you do it is huge because we need to share this information. Like this is, I think that we were born in a very interesting time in history where it's very easy to get a message out and crucial that we get the message out because I think we're at this like revolutionary time in, in history and in consciousness. And it's so important to step up and spread that message.
2: Beautiful. Well, thank you for spreading your message on our podcast. And where can everyone find and support your podcast, the Don't Freak Out Podcast?
3: Yes, find me on iTunes, Don't Freak Out Podcast, and don'tfreakoutpodcast.com, Instagram, Don't Freak Out Podcast. So basically, if you type in Don't Freak Out Podcast on Google, you will find me. I'm so
2: glad you got that name. <laughs>
3: I know. I got very, very lucky with that. Thank you so much for having me on and for letting me share this message with your community because I just, I love your show so much. So it's so cool to be on.
2: Thank you. And we're fans of yours too. And as you know, next week we'll be talking to the universe has your back author and spirit junkie queen, Gabby Bernstein, who you also work with and is how we met. And so if you were going to give a shout out or testimonial for Spirit
3: Junkie Digital
2: Masterclass, what would you say?
3: Do it. Listen to the call and just do it because honestly, it will change every single area of your life. Like it's just, it's one of the greatest things I've ever done and been a part of. And um, like I could cry just like thinking about it and talking about it because it. Yeah. I, now I'm going to like extend the interview like 20 more minutes, but like, <laughs> let wrap it up. Like, I'm not kidding when I say like the amazing romantic relationship I have as a result of it, like the amazing career I have as a result of it. It's all a result of this training because it showed me how to get out of my own way, listen to the voice of love and to step up and make things happen, which is something I think we can all resonate with and we can all learn from, you know.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. And can
3: you leave us with a tweetable? With a shift in perspective, anxiety can become your greatest strength. And it's true. It's so true. I love it. If You learn to love anxiety, you have set yourself free. Oh, my God. I love it. Well,
2: tweet that to us at Food Heals Nation. Allison doesn't have Twitter, so maybe you can Facebook it to her or uh, Instagram, Instagram
3: it. Yeah, I'm like addicted to Instagram. So like make it into an Instagram quote. Instagram it out.
2: Love it. Okay. Give your website one more time.
3: It's don't freak out podcast.com. Thanks so much, Allison. Thank you. I love you. It was so fun.
2: All right, Food Heals Nation, thanks for listening. You can find all the show notes at foodhealsnation.com. Like I said, next week, we will be back with Spirit Junkie Queen, Gabby Bernstein, herself, author of The Universe Has Your Back. And if you loved this interview with Allison and you want to know more about Spirit Junkie Masterclass or Gabby Bernstein's free training series, How to Get Digital Courses Taught by me, Allison Melody, Susie Hare, and by Gabby, sign up at foodhealsnation.com. Slash Gabby, and of course, listen to the podcast. We're gonna be giving you all the goods. And I want to leave you with a little something to get you excited. This is an excerpt from a Marie TV episode that I love where Marie Forleo is interviewing Gabby on how to use manifesting to get anything you want. So hopefully this will get you excited for next week and excited for the month of June where we're doing all Spirit Junkie interviews. See you next time, Food Heals Nation. Are you only getting a fraction of what you want in your
4: business and life? Are the things that you're looking to achieve taking way too long to come your way? If so, Gabby Bernstein may have your answer. In fact, she says that to manifest anything you want in your business, whether it's career goals, maybe it's relationships, your health, your happiness, the real work is an inside job. I am so thrilled today to bring you my dear friend and best-selling author, Miss Gabby Bernstein. You're on Ray TV. I know, I was saying I was like on Oprah today. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like being an Oprah. This is awesome. So, manifesting is such a cool topic. Um, it's something that a lot of people may have some resistance to mm-hmm. if they think it's like a little too woo woo and it's a little too passive. And I know for me in my life, Um, I'm such a go-getting kind of driven girl that in the past I used to have my own resistance to it. But as I've become older and a little more mature, um, I've opened my mind and I actually do consider myself quite a good manifester. So for our audience, can you define what exactly is manifesting?
1: Manifesting is acquiring the experience of what it is that you want to feel Mm -hmm. and being and living and believing in
4: that experience and then allowing that experience to come into form. So not only the experience like, say, um, wanting to go on a vacation, but even if you want something like a new MacBook Air, Mm -hmm, (laughs) you can manifest mm -hmm. uh, a new computer or or being a published author or having your business reach a certain level. So everything falls into that. Everything
1: falls into that category. Sometimes we manifest things far beyond our wildest dreams. So sometimes if we have a vision of something, it happens in a far greater way. So we want to stay open. So we can say, I want that MacBook Air, but maybe we get that MacBook Air that's a little bit bigger than we thought. You yeah, know, or maybe it comes with an extra little gift. yeah, but allowing ourselves to be open this or something more. cool.
4: So uh, the way that I think about manifesting too, it's it's also it's involved in the process of of creation or creating. You know, I consider myself an artist and a creator. Do you see like a distinction between manifesting and creating?
1: Manifesting is very creative. It is the process of using your power energy and being in that presence of your high powered energy and allowing that energy to co-create with the energy that's around you. So you're vibrating at a high frequency, I'm vibrating at a high frequency. Ooh, we've done a lot of work, we've yep. cleaned up a lot of our own crap, we yep. believe in ourselves today, yep. and that that energy of believing in ourselves has attracted us together today and brought us into this space where we together are co-creating and teaching. If I hadn't cleaned up my side of the street and if I didn't believe in myself the way I do, I would never have manifested being on Marie TV. <laughs>
4: very true. Mm-hmm. So I know I like to always believe that I'm co-creating with the universe because there. I really believe there are no um, such things as coincidences. And I've had too many experiences in my life where I'm like, oh my God, that's what I wanted. And it all seemed to line up and it was incredible. So that's really part of what we're talking about here, right? Is, is our ability to to play an active role, but almost paradoxically a passive role in helping things that we want come into our life. Yeah,
1: there's a, there's a really nice line from uh, A Course in Miracles, which is the metaphysical text I teach, and it is, miracles occur naturally, and when they're not occurring, something has gone wrong. That's mm-hmm. interesting. It's a good one, right? So what happens is, is that that synchronicity, that flow, that effortless action, that just sort of allowing, oh, I was thinking about that, and it just showed up, that's how life is supposed to be. We get in the way. Our negative belief systems, our fears, our anxiety, our, our anger towards the past, that future tripping and projecting, all of that energy gets in the way
4: of allowing all of the miracles to occur naturally. So this is awesome. So what I like to do on TV, which you know because I know you watch us every week, is to take this an idea or a concept and really break it down and make it super actionable. So if someone has never heard of manifesting, or maybe they have, but they've been quite a skeptic and are like, this is BS, this, is, this stuff doesn't work. Can you break it down like how how to manifest? Like what's the first thing that we should be doing? So the first type of
1: manifestation is to get very, very clear. And you know, if we're not clear about
4: what we desire, then we can call in some really funky stuff. Yeah, this is big. And I just want to interrupt you for a moment because like one of the things that I say again and again when I'm working with clients, I can help you get anything you want but you have to tell me what that is. Yep. That's it. <laughs> you know, and that's clarity it. is really, it's that secret key. Because you're like a manifestation can opener. If somebody gets clear
1: about what they want, that's really fun. Uh, that's your new name. Oh, that's my new title <laughs> of manifestation can opener. Yes. Go on. it's it. true, because if somebody gets really clear about what they want, your work is just releasing all the blocks yeah. and all the disbelief. Yeah. And so if you're clear, first and foremost, you must be clear. Yep. And, and you must be clear because if you are unclear, you'll start to call in some things that are not really what you want. You'll yeah. be confused. Uh, the other piece is that once you're clear, you can also then get clear about all of the
4: ways that you don't believe. All of the limiting beliefs, all of the negativity that might be blocking you. Oh, this is good. So let's use an example. Let's take it from the top. So I know for both of us, this is something we share. Um, you're a published author. I'm a published author. And I know many people in the world, it's one of their dreams to have their own book out on the shelf. So I know you must have gotten clear at one point. I am going to be a published author, right? Mm -hmm. So clarity, step number one. Yes. Number two, getting clear on everything that's, preventing that, right? You're you're limiting beliefs. Yeah. So tell us some of yours when you first had that clarity. Well, I often joke that I was a published
1: author three years before I actually was a published author because I believed so deeply, but of course there was disbelief and there was actually a period in my life where it was right when the recession hit, my stepfather says to me, I'm telling him all about my book that I wanted to bring into the world. And he said to me, well, you know, it's a really tough time, it's going to be really hard because we've got resistors, you know, people just having a hard time with the realities of the world. And saying, oh, well, you're going to have a hard time getting your book published. And I looked at him with so much conviction and so much faith, and I said, I believe in miracles. I believe I am a published author. One month later, my first book was published. So that faithfulness, that that belief system is what allows it to come into the reality that we live. But what we must understand is that I had done quite a a significant amount of work Mm -hmm. to release all of the limiting beliefs that I had been holding on to a limiting belief i have 8th grade english i have never written anything beyond 8th grade yes I had to teach myself how to write.
4: Yep. So the limiting belief which I'm not a writer, I don't know how to write. That was yes. a major one for me to overcome. So this is great. So we have step one and step two. It's getting clear on the thing that you want. And then also having the courage to really look inside and see all the limiting beliefs that can be holding you back from that. Okay, good. So we've and got, then clean them up. And then clean them up. Okay, awesome. Tell me, so is that, can that be as simple as recognizing that it's a story you're telling yourself is yes. just simply doesn't have to be the truth? Yes, the healing process of anything can just be the witnessing
1: of okay, that's not working. That limiting belief is holding me back. And mm-hmm. when we wake up to that call of that's not working, that's when teachers like you come into our life. That's when books fall off the shelf. That's when we land on Marie TV because we're tooling around YouTube. Right? <laughs> so, we are led to what we need to heal. So, the first point is just to recognize how you are blocking yourself and trust that the universe will give you exactly what you need to heal those limiting beliefs.
4: Awesome. Okay, so we've got our two steps. Is there a third step? So, now we're in the process, so we're healing, we're healing our limiting beliefs we're active we're engaged we're aware we're what getting into next? the know we're getting okay. into the know okay mm-hmm. so step three step three is getting into the know know the universe has your back love that mm-hmm. my, i think my mug says it
1: the universe knows Awesome. (laughs) Tell me more about what that means. So uh, what happens when we get into the know is that we have released that we're working on releasing that disbelief. And that's a daily process. And the more we let go of that disbelief, the more we begin to acquire the presence of what it feels like to be in that manifestation. So the same way I was saying I was a published author. I felt like a published author years before I was a published author. I felt abundant even when I was scrapping to get by. Yes. I still felt the presence of abundance, which is allowed abundance to come into my life.
4: And I think that's probably the hardest part for all of us. And I can, I can almost hear our audience members, you know, again, we're in 188 countries around the world. So some people are going like, okay, that all sounds cool. But if I don't have any money, right? If I don't have any resources, if people don't believe in me... Mm-hmm what can I do on a daily basis? Is it just a matter of saying I I really know this and just honestly having that leap of faith and saying I've got to stay in this state? You cannot let your outside world dictate your internal condition. The
1: outside world will reflect your internal condition. So if you are letting the outside stuff
4: tell you I'm not good enough, then you are manifestation mishap. You are not Allowing yourself to co-create. So I'm going to pause there just for a second. A manifestation mishap, which you guys know, I love cute phrases for things. Um, a manifestation mishap would be uh, thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm having this clarity. I want to be a published author. But what would the mishap be there if they were...
1: Well, but my outside experience is not reflecting that, how yes. am I gonna get published, I don't have enough, and all of that is like really not supporting your desire. Got it. So the the most important point here is to not let the outside world dictate your internal condition. Your internal condition will support your external experiences. So your work is to focus on the internal. And, and I've done that in many cases in my life, like you know, picking up quarters to pay my gas money. And in that presence of not having a lot of money, I still felt abundant. I did all that work to release my disbelief. And in that presence of believing in my abundance, I've allowed a tremendous amount of abundance to come into my life. So we got to hold the energy and let
4: the outside world reflect that amazingness inside. Okay, so another piece of resistance that could be coming towards us right now from the audience, from someone saying, hey, you know what, I've, I've manifested before or I'm in this process, but you know... It's taken a long time. I've been in the knowing, I'm affirming, but it just ain't here yet. What would you say to someone like that who is just going like, when is it gonna come? When Mm -hmm. is this really gonna happen? The most
1: important step in the manifestation process is patience. And there's another beautiful line from A Course in Miracles, which is, those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety.
4: I freaking love this, and I'm gonna make her say it again because it was that beautiful. Gab, say it one more time.
1: Those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. Love that. Mm -hmm. So when we have that presence of being certain, that certainty, Mm -hmm. I am a published author, that man is on the way, I am abundant. When we have that certainty, we can allow, we can be patient, we can be in the know, And another manifestation mishap when you're not patient is that you're controlling, you're grasping, you're manipulating, and you are therefore blocking the natural order. You're blocking the positive energy to flow towards you because you're vibrating a frequency of negative energy because you're in fear, you're controlling and manipulating.
4: Love that. Mm. So this is all really good stuff. Can you give us a quick recap again, our little manifesting Mm how-to for anyone out there who's, this is all new to them. First is clarity, become very clear about what it is that
1: you desire so you don't call in some crazy crap. (laughs) Love it. The next piece is to be clear about all the limiting beliefs that are blocking you from believing and knowing that you are worthy of what you desire. And that takes some courage. That takes courage, takes some time. And that willingness, you just wake up and say, I am willing, I'm ready to have that guidance come forward and you'll be led to teachers like Marie. And then the third step is to be in that presence, in that energy of knowing that you are ready to receive, that you are in that presence of believing and knowing, I am a published author. I am abundant. I am exactly what you want. And having the patience. And then the final step is the patience. To be really relaxed, released, and allow, and stay in the know, letting the universe bring you exactly what it is that you desire. It's awesome. Really, really great
0: stuff. Hey, Food Hills Nation, connect with us on Facebook and our Food Hills
2: Nation Facebook group at foodhealsgroup.com. In the group, we've got Tribe Building Tuesday. This will help you build your business and personal relationships. Plus, we've got Self Promotion Saturday where you can post your links to your business, your blog, your recipes, your healing story, anything you want. And we really love hearing your stories and answering your personal questions about health. So we hope to see you in the group.
0: We love our Facebook. I know. And don't forget to join our mailing list to get 20% off upcoming Food Heals classes
2: by going to foodhealsvip.com. Yes, our first class will be Podcast Greenlight, where we're going to teach you how to market and monetize your health, wellness, or spirituality podcast. Basically anything in the wellness industry. If you want to start a podcast, we're going to help you out. That's coming up too. And you'll also find out how to join our VIP
0: club where you can get premium podcasts from us with never-before-heard interviews on the Food Heals podcast.
2: Never-before-heard. Never-before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> Why my do gosh. we
2: think we're so funny? We are. Oh, okay. I don't know if everyone would agree. <laughs> 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 follow us on social media at Food Heals Nation or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow my personal adventures at Alice and Melody TV. For all the show notes from today's
0: show, go to foodhealsnation.com. Thanks for listening.